listening to Harper Audio Presents, a podcast that brings you conversation and inspiration from your favorite authors, editors, and creators, giving you new perspectives on the world of books, culture, and the arts. We are part of the HarperCollins Presents Network of Podcasts. I'm Ana Maria Alessi, and with me today is Robin Bilardello. And Robin, <laughs> give us your title because I've already forgotten. Um, it's very fancy. It's Vice President, Senior Art Director. Vice President, Senior Art Director, and you work for HarperCollins. Mm-hmm. I read a little bit about you prior to our conversation, and mm. the thing that jumped out at me oh. that I think we might want to hear about first is your time at the Ringling Brothers Circus. Circus. So start there, why don't you? Um, just kidding. It wasn't the circus. <laughs> <laughs> but what I'm was actually with- a trapeze artist. <laughs> no. Um, I bet it feels that way some days. Um, yes. So I went to Ringling School of Art and Design. Which is in Sarasota, Florida. Um, I majored in graphic design and minored in photography. And it actually has nothing to do with the circus. It has nothing to do with the circus. But what is it funded by the founders of Ringling? Because I've actually been there, strangely. I can't remember why I was in there, but it was beautiful. Um, There were five Ringling brothers. And four of them, you know, went off to make a circus. And the fifth was an artist. Okay. And he um, traveled through Europe collecting beautiful paintings. He loved Rubens. So he, he collected them. And he he brought them back home to Sarasota where their family was based and started a museum. And then from the museum, there was a school, a, an art school began around the you know early 1900s. It just grew from there. So he he's indirectly related to the circus. He, okay, yeah. He's, he's he, I don't think he would appreciate yeah. <laughs> what the name means got now. It. I got it. But yeah, he's yeah, yeah. very, he was, he was a beautiful, he, he loved Rubens and there's a lot of, um, the museum specializes in, they have this very large collection of Rubens. In the now you're not from that area. You came from up here, right? Oh yeah. I was born in Manhattan. Mm-hmm. I was born at Beth Israel Hospital and I grew up mostly on Long Island, but I'm a New Yorker. Yeah. And so you went to art school, and Mm -hmm. what did you study while you were there? I studied graphic design. That was my major. My minor was photography. Um, I also studied procrastination. (laughs) (laughs) No, I I liked graphic design. I mean, I come from an artist family. So um, one of my my family friends was a graphic designer, Mikey Gerbino, and he was probably the first time you know the he was my first influencer about what is graphic design and and what could I do with that mm-hmm. so I went to school for graphic design because that was what I liked to do I didn't know what I wanted to do with it I think my first you know ideas was I was going to be in advertising mm-hmm. but um and were you always a reader was I always a reader? I would say I was never a reader. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think I, I, I was definitely, like, um, in high school, very, like, anti-establishment, anti-doing yeah, okay. the work, anti-teachers. Yeah, you were I fought a rebel. the system. Oh, yeah, I fought the system. So you go to school, you study this, you get out, and where does it lead you for your first, for your first job? My first job, I reported to... Roberto de Victi Comptish at Broadway Books. So your first job, you got a job in publishing. Yeah, right out of school. And it was like through a series of 
you know, a friend of a yeah, friend. friend, of a friend yeah, yeah. Right. So I went to where I graduated in May um, 1997, and I began on July 25th, wow. 1997, at Broadway Books, and I answered the phone, and I organized the bills, and I was kind of, I was the design assistant, and I reported to the art director, and it was great. It was my, it's my favorite job I ever had. Oh, that's so interesting. <laughs> and from there, you just stuck with it? And I stuck with it. I fell in love with it. I fell yeah. in love with the books and the industry. And, you know, graphic design, so much of it is, you know, taking something and making it marketable. You mm-hmm. know, like making something, putting a visual to it. And the thing with books is that you have this magical creation. You have this this piece of art that someone's written. It. It's It's magic. And it's... You get to you get to package something el- someone else's piece of artwork, and you get to augment it, right? You mm-hmm. get to add your sort of vision to it. That, mm-hmm. like you said, mm-hmm. obviously it's to attract the reader, mm-hmm. but it's your sort of interpretation as to how to do that. Because I've sat in on a few cover meetings, and it's kind of interesting to me the variety of ways that any you know book cover can go, and and your contribution, your extension of that original work. Yeah, it's there's no there's really there's a lot of right answers with book covers. That's what makes it so subjective and hard to finally agree yeah. on one. Right. Yes. Okay. Well, we <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like there's a lot of stories there. Mm-hmm. We won't. We won't emphasize that. But seriously, take mm-hmm. us through. So you're you're now working for a publisher. You're working for a particular imprint. You're aware of a certain publishing schedule. And you are, we'll, we'll start before you were in charge of everything, but you're assigned a certain number of books, right? Mm-hmm. Is that how it works, right? Yeah. And so they give you something at what stage or does it vary? Um, do you get something to read in order to start your work? Well, um, every publisher has been different. You know, back at Random House has been different than HarperCollins. But in essence, we all we launch, right? Mm-hmm. We launch, we get all the titles. Mm-hmm. And then the end of the season, jumping to the end, is sales conference. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of our two brackets. Those are our bookends. Um, so in the beginning, we get ass- everybody gets assigned their titles. I get assigned mine, you know, in, in the past and, and current. And, and, then, and that's where we read. That's where we beg mm-hmm. for manuscripts. If they're, if they're in, reading materials, what do you have? Do you have book proposal? We'll take anything just yep. to get a sense of what the book is. Um, and in the very beginning, that's when we read. And then we we also concept. Mm-hmm. We concept with the editors and we hear, you know, the concepting meeting to me, a lot of people don't agree with it. But I think concepting is so important because we are in a commercial business and we're marketing these little beautiful pieces. But in concepting is when we hear what the author might have had in okay, mind. Okay, so yes, yeah, tell us a little bit more about what you mean, what happens at that concepting stage. At concepting is when the editor comes into comes to the art department with the publisher and, and marketing in the room, and we talk about what the book needs to be. Okay, you know, what it needs to communicate, that, what, what needs, that cover needs to communicate. Right, where are we positioning this thing? Got it. You know, is this going to be, is this a novel that's high literary? Is this a novel that needs to get into, you know, it's a paperback and it needs to get into Target, we're putting it in Costco. Got it, yeah. Where is this thing going to be? 
positioned and what what do we need to produce with the cover? That's also where we hear, you know, the author has a photo of that exact situation yeah. or, oh, my God, this it's a book about a dragon, but guess what? The dragon's really purple. You know, I'm just kidding. Yeah, no, yeah exactly. Certain books. details that you would need to That know. is where we yeah. find out all that stuff because when we're left alone to just read um, yeah. on our own, we're going to interpret it the way we what we read. Right. So um, the concepting meeting is when we hear all the nitty-gritty about the other stuff. Um, so when that doesn't happen and then we and then we design and then we hear at the end of the process, oh well the author had a photograph one, and oh, the author had a dog picture and the dog went to a psychic and the psychic <laughs> said it has to be green. You know <laughs> you could have told us that already. You know, so um, so that's what happens at concepting. So then we design. So then we take all the information, we take the you know, we read it, we um, we hear what they want, and then we go back to our desks and we make we make it happen. We design, we research, we cut up stuff, we paint stuff, we lacquer transfer, we have brushes that we make the type with. So, how much of that really remains tactile and 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 paper cutting up paper, and how much of it is all on the computer now? Well, a hundred percent of it is in the computer. That's it just starts out. Not in the computer. Got it. A lot of it is, you know, hand done. Yeah. Or um, an, it's like an amalgamation of all these different things. So it might start out hand done and then we bring it into the computer and then we alter it there. And then we might we might then take it back out of the computer, mm-hmm. print it out, photocopy it a bunch of times so it, it ages kinda, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then we bring it back into the computer. So it, it's, it's everything. And how much time are you given, by and large, for each title. So if you've got a season that's roughly three months long, how many titles are you assigned? Well, it's different for me. I'm responsible for the entire list, hardcover and paperback, under the Harper umbrella. So it's roughly, you know, 130 titles, give or take a season. So in three months, we have to, I'm responsible for making sure those are done and in catalog and done for sales conference. Uh, 90% of them get done. And that's, that's on a good list. Now, I have another question because Mm -hmm. you keep referring to sales conference, which, of course, seems to me like sort of the old timetable because now with, you know, online and the importance of Mm pre-sales, aren't you all asked to to give covers even that much earlier? Oh, yeah. We used to work at half season. I used to think, okay, everything needs to be at least presented by half season. Right now, the priorities, you know, the big books, the lead titles, they need to be done by half season. So yes, it is a different world. And right now, we're just trying to stay on top of those, you know, the things that the marketing team absolutely has to have in front of BNN and in front of sales. Well, yeah, in front of Amazon, Mm -hmm. you know, literally six months ahead of time, if it's a big book, and it's going to get eyeballs, and it's going to see it, they they really want that as a major piece of their metadata. Mm -hmm. And has that changed, you know, sort of the idea that every Everything has to be communicable as a thumbnail. Has that changed your oh, approach? Yeah, the thumbnail, the white books online. The white know. books. I remember that. <laughs> yeah. Do you remember that? Like two years ago, it was like, oh, stop with the white books because it just bleeds. There's so much to think about. Um, but you know what? That's the name of the game. We're designers, and so it's a design problem, you know, and we're here to find the solution. So that stuff doesn't scare me. I mean, I like to try, okay, how is this going to work as a thumbnail? Yeah. How is it going to work big? I like those problems. Those are fun to solve. So do you find yourself 
enjoying designing certain types of books more than others? Is it does it come down to a personality of what you like to read, or rather, is it like, oh, I like this type of puzzle more so? Than I others? like this type of puzzle. Yeah, that's a, that's it. Well, for everybody's different, right? For me, I like this. I like the design problem. Like, yeah. how am I going to solve this? Yeah, how am I going to like, communicate where, this? Yeah, yeah. How am I going so to give find us, out? Give us an example of one of those where you've had to, where you felt like, oh gosh, you know what? This is a real puzzle, and and then you solved it. Well, they happen every single day. Well, give us one. All right, so today, I just... (laughs) It's only 11 o'clock in the morning, by the way. (laughs) Um, All right, so there is this book. It's just approved this morning. It takes place um, between a bunch of high school students in 1992, which they loved... Kurt Cobain, they love Nirvana, they wore flannels, that's my era. So I was like, oh baby, this is my book. So I read it, it's a page turner. So I was like, oh my god, this is amazing, you know, they're talking about my stuff, they're talking about my time, they're talking about the flannel, I had that shirt, driving around with your friends, I've, I mean, it was me, you know, this was my puzzle to solve. So I made a mood board, and we did the research, and I, Erin Wicks, editorial assistant, Spoke with her. We dressed her up as one of the characters. Oh, took her out took into her, the oh, woods. She's perfect for it. She's got like a smoky quality oh, to her. You know, she she was one of these characters. And what's interesting is that there's three characters, and they're all very different. And Erin could have been all of them. She could have been either one. And I really didn't want to show three girls. I wanted to show one, and I wanted the reader to decide who is it. Yeah. Okay. Got it. You okay, know, good. I don't want to yeah, give yeah, away yeah. the ending. I don't yeah, want to yeah. give away the book because that's the thing with this with these three characters. They jump over okay, each other. Okay. They become each other, and it's very fluid and it's very naughty. So we took her out into the woods and we dressed her up and we forced her to smoke cigarettes and we made, gave her some whiskey and rolled her around in the leaves. Poor Erin. She was such a great sport. Um, we photographed her. Did you get her to sign a release? No. Well, then you're in big trouble. You can't. Well, oh, she's wait, you're, you're not using her. You can't use <laughs> her unless you've got a release. You're very right okay. and I'm very sorry. Okay. Go ahead. So, <laughs> but it was a great – it was it was really great fun. Brought the photos in, put them in covers. We treated them in Photoshop, designed the jackets, took them to the meeting. Everybody was like, whoa, that's Erin. The whole room, loved the covers. Boom, boom, boom. We got one approved on the spot. Sent them to the author. Uh-huh. All right. Sales, no way. So we go round two. We go through iterations, iterations. Goes to Greg, goes to another designer. We have all these different designers. I would say we went through about, I think we had close to 100 covers. And this is something where you read the book and you love it. You know that character. You know what it needs to be. You know what it needs to be in the marketplace. I know this book. But it doesn't mean that... It doesn't mean it, yeah. It doesn't mean anything. It means nothing. So we went through loads and loads of covers. And then we had an editor leave. The editor of the book left. So then it got a new editor. And then, you know what? you got to get back on the horse. You get back on the horse and you just, you have to recreate what you know in a new way. And that's the puzzle. Like, okay, they don't, all of my visions for this book are not their vision. So how do I take what I see inside? And and reflect it back the way that they say that they want it. Right, right, right. And that is the puzzle. Got it. And that's where the fun comes in, where you're like, all right, I have to get, I have to step outside myself and become somebody else and and win, you know, and make this puzzle. Figure this out. How am I going to figure it out? And we succeeded. We chopped up this girl and chopped up girl covers. What's approved today? 
You'll but see. But was it Aaron chopped up or was it a Poor new girl? Poor Aaron. It's a new girl. Yeah. But Aaron was such a great sport because right, we tried to chop her. Yeah, we don't need a release. We tried to chop up Aaron, you know, but it didn't go through. We're going to use Aaron on another cover. Yeah, exactly. So she then, has fantastic lipstick. Yeah. <laughs> That's such a compliment from a designer who's very aware of these. Kinds oh, she used lots of lipstick when we when we photographed her, and that yeah. was some of the selling point was the smoke coming out of her mouth. I wish I had a picture of it right here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You could see it, the smoking and and the lips and the smoke coming out of the lips. It had so much attitude, and it really showed that dis- and these girls were unaffected. H- how often do you succeed in not throwing away the vast majority of your initial designs? Because it sounds to me like more often than not. While people might like them, they might not live to see the light of days for any number of reasons. So how often does that happen? All of them. Every one of them. Mm-hmm. But well, don't you sometimes take something in that, that basically everybody says, oh, yeah, that is exactly what I was hoping for and that's what pleases sales, the buyer, or does that never happen? Yes, but we have to it, – it, it's very strange and no, no book – Every book is a snowflake. <laughs> None of them are the same. For example, Girls on Fire, right? We went through so many iterations, but this last one that got approved, the chopped up girl, I did that. I chopped this girl up. I placed the type. I put everything on it, and we sent it, you know, uh, with others, and that's the one that got picked. And so then it went to the the people who need to approve it, the author, the agent. Then it went to the Barnes & Noble rep, and she approved it. So in essence, that cover is untouched. I designed it in a vacuum by myself, and it it got through the process without not even one tweak. And that's done and approved now, but we had to go through months and months and months of iterations and tweaks to get to that point. If I had shown that cover the first week, there's no way it would have gone through. So it's sort of like buying a house. You can just sort of never just buy the first house you see. You have to go and look and consider and just work all the way back back, even if it's just to buy that identical first cover. I think so. I think it's the, I hate to say this, but I think it's the right thing to do because it gets everybody, everybody needs to feel confident yeah, that going they, into that they it. they really worked it through. Right. You need to feel like you've worked it through the process. Everybody's contributed to it. And if you get everybody on board, the book is going to be better for it. Got you know, it. you need all the other departments to be like, hell yeah, this is awesome. I can't wait to market this. I can't wait to publicize this. Wait till you see the cover, everybody. Yo, Barnes & Noble, I'm Damn. about to drop you with the best book. You know, you got to get everybody to be just as psyched. It sounds like it's a process that in addition to your artistic talents, it takes a certain personality to live this day in and day out and to say, okay, I'm going to trust that, you know, you're going to contribute an idea. Mm-hmm. It's going to be worth the effort and I'm going to try it. And who knows, I may be pleasantly surprised. And then, you know, a month later, when we come back to the original idea, I'm going to say, okay, that was great. And say something positive, like, okay, we all had, we all needed to, you know, get there this way. Because I think if you're, you know, grumpy pants and you're just, you just become bitter. <laughs> oh, I have bitter. the grumpiest pants. I've got all kinds of pants. But I'm worried that like, you know, if, if you're a certain type of personality mm-hmm. who sort of needs to be right first, then you're going to be miserable in this job. I agree with you. 
I think that um, I mean it's hard most of the days. So what do you what do you tell younger people who are aspiring to get into run away? <laughs> no, just kidding. <laughs> I would think that you know this would be an extremely attractive and very specific business to get into, and it's uh, yet at the same time it's a small business. Mm-hmm. So what do you what do you tell folks when when they say to you, I really would like to become a, a book designer? Well, I think um, you have to. There has to be some part of it that you love that you just love because there's so much there's so much hate you know there's so much you are killed something that you have created yeah it gets killed every single gets day killed every yeah. single day just by virtue of the process yeah. just by virtue of the process something you will be asked to be to separate yourself it's, it's nothing about you but then you have to put all of you into it yeah you have to use all of your experiences and all of your knowledge and remember which typeface was cut in that year and which you know what photographer was of that period you know you you have to use everything that's inside of you and then want to make it look good and want to put that effort in to make it look freaking sick and have this beautiful thing and then be okay with it when you put it up and then be like that looks like cheese you know <laughs> and then not be like all right i'm going to kill you yeah. you know you have to I just spent 14 hours on that. You know, that's <laughs> you have to you have to be both. Yeah. And you have to remember, okay, they're going to think it's cheese. You have to go back to your room or your cube and make or, it even or your better. Your stand-up desk. Your stand-up desk and be like, "All right, they think it's cheese. How am I going to make this even better that they're going to be like, "Oh, snap. You're the best." Or whoever. <laughs> And then make them regret that cheese yeah, comment. Yeah, just go home <laughs> and cry. And then, and then still come in the next day. And then go and do that for 130 titles. Or, you know, so there has to be something in that process that you love. Yeah. You have to find, you have to be ready, you have to be ready for that. Because it's going to happen on every single thing you work on. So anyway, you have to find the beauty. You have to find the truth and the beauty in your own process, in books, because ultimately... After all of this, you do come up with this little thing. You know, you yeah, get to hold it. This little object of art. Yeah. This little beautiful thing you get to take home with you. You get to hold it. You get to say, I, I freaking made this. Because the author wrote it, but I read it. I read it. I took it in. I, I transformed it into something visual. It became mine. And whether or not they thought it was cheese and whether or not they made it green, purple, had me add wings to that dragon, he made me change the shoes 50 times. It's mine. And I worked on that. And I gave myself to this thing. And, and that's the beauty in it. And then, you know what? If it's totally a Frankenstein cover and they, and they tore your work apart, you burn it. Yeah. You just don't take it home. You, <laughs> you don't take it, it home. It you, don't, you leave it in the office. You put it on the giveaway shelf. There you go. Well, thank you so much. This has oh. been really fun. I appreciate your taking Thank you time. for having me. Thank you for listening. This episode was edited by Kat Theck with production help from Jennifer Monroe. The books featured in this episode are available for purchase wherever books are sold. Please be sure to subscribe to Harper Audio Presents, and you can send us a question or comment via our Facebook page. We hope you'll join us next time as we hear more from the leading figures across books, culture, and the arts, all brought to you by Harper Audio Presents.